I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. What is up, beauties? This is Alex Alcazaz, a.k.a. the Bear of Texas, and this is Cowboys Talk. Let me reintroduce my good friend, Wiley, a.k.a. the Venomous Stare. Wiley, are you ready to go hardcore, no holds barred, no mercy on the Cowboys? Ready, brother. Let's get it in. Let's get it in, because this Sunday, our Cowboys play on the L.A. Chargers, and it really hasn't been a good week, has it? No, Alex. The Cowboys, of course, suffered a defeat last week. Zeke Elliott looks completely wretched and uninspired. The defense is bad. There's been two big injuries, and it's only week two. The Cowboys are falling apart at the seams. And for everyone who's all on the Dak hype train, because he put up a bunch of pass yards last week against the Bucks. It's a guy that had multiple opportunities handed to him because of turnovers. And Dak, whenever he's behind a completely healthy line, has always been above average. It's when a couple guys start to go down where he really shows his true colors. So that will be interesting considering the right tackle situation. And the Chargers are actually better than a lot of people think. There's one of these teams that can never do anything in the playoffs, so people always just dismiss them out of hand, but... They have some weapons. Keenan Allen specifically comes to mind. This is a guy who has been a steady top 10 receiver in the NFL for a hot minute. You know, the Chargers are just, you know, the way people like to pick on Justin Herbert, they like to sleep on the guy. You know, I swear to you, Wiley, on my grandfather's grave, I have seen people talk about Justin Herbert as the next Kirk Cousins. I'm like, how dare they? Justin Herbert is actually a very good quarterback, a hell of a throwing love- and he's got potential. I love how you said the next Kirk Cousins. Like, I thought you were going to say something real mean. Like, the next Jamarcus Russell. Or, you know, <laughs> the next, uh, who is the Dallas quarterback that smoked crack? Quincy Carter. The next Quincy Carter. Like, uh, Kirk Cousins isn't that bad, you know? Like, he's about as good as Dak. But I think Herbert has more potential. He had a great rookie year. His uh, first game didn't look that good, but really almost all the teams look bad in the first week. We spoke about that at length in the last episode. Make sure to check that VOD out if you haven't already. But I expect reasonably big things from the Chargers, and I'll quantify that. I think they're going to win nine-plus games. I think that they'll be a threat for the wild card, but I don't expect them to do any playoff damage. Unfortunately, the Chargers are just not there yet. But you know what? It takes time to build a team. I mean, how many times do we have to say it? Rome wasn't built in a day. The Allies didn't win World War II in a freaking day. You gotta build, 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 just like I've been doing with my show. So, you know, it's just a concept that many just don't understand because they expect everything to be done like that. I mean... That's true, Alex. Fortunately, you and I, we don't lack that intelligence, do we? No, and it's sort of funny because there's this fine line between patience and just sitting there and eating shit year after year with nothing really positive to shoot for. The Chargers aren't doing that. They're a team that's improving, that's getting better, and I think in a couple years they'll actually be a legitimate playoff threat. As it stands now, they're a solid little team on the rise and could definitely take a game off the Cowboys. I think that the Demarcus Lawrence foot injury is a huge deal. Even though I don't really think Demarcus Lawrence is the sort of top five guy that a lot of people think he is, I do think that he actually makes defenses have to plan for him, and he causes more pressure than maybe the sacks or hurry column shows. 
I think when you're facing a defense with virtually no weapons and no consistency and no secondary, it's very easy to neutralize a guy like Lawrence. Yes, he's solid, but he's not Osu Minura. He's not Michael Strahan. So the fact that he went down and he's the best player on the defense, him and Van Der Esch, it's a bad sign for the Cowboys. And it's more important that the injury is relatively significant. I mean, it's a broken foot. It's not just a tweaked Tammy. And more importantly, it happens so early in the season. So Cowboys are going to be without D-Law for a long time. And when you have a very top-heavy team, similar to the Philadelphia Phillies in baseball, that means that whenever you do lose your pieces, even if they might be a little overrated or look better because their peers are really bad, it's still a big deal because it's like if there's only three decent players on the defense and one of them goes down for a significant amount of time when you're 0-1, it does not bode well for your season, Alex. And you always talk about how important the pass rush is, accurately, I might add. And I just wanted to know your thoughts on how this is going to affect not only the pass rush specifically, but the defense as a whole. Well, it's certainly going to affect the defense as a whole because if a defense has no defensive linemen, well, there's already half of it, half the potential is already destroyed. But luckily, there's somebody... That has, that has been in the NFL for a while that's going to take over for D-Law. I'm talking about Terrell Basham. As a matter of fact, we actually signed him from free agency. If I'm correct, I believe he was with the Houston Texans last year. So I placed all my faith in the guy. I, I, can, I can only hope that he can actually get the job done. But somehow I feel good about him starting because, you know what, it, this is a fresh start for him. I mean, despite the, the success he's had in his career, his career... I don't know if I want to say he hasn't really gone where he's he's done some great things. I'm looking at his his uh, career right here. As a matter of fact, I was actually wrong. He he wasn't with the Texans. He was actually with the he was previously with the New York Jets. He started his career with the Indianapolis Colts. He's got it. It is and he does have actually quite a bit of a resume. He's forced four fumbles, has about eight sacks in his career, and this goes back to last year. So, so Terrell Basham certainly has potential. So I do believe in the guy, but. But not only that, but this opens the door for the likes of Dorrance Armstrong and Azur Kamara, although those two guys are defensive ends. But I don't see why a defensive end can't play defensive tackle if need be. Totally agree. To me, this is more a concept and statement about the depth of the Cowboys and their defense as a whole. I don't really think Basham himself is going to be the answer. This is sort of like when Lyle Collins goes down you're not suddenly saying, well, how much worse is Steele than Collins? It's more about the fact that having one big guy like that on a top-heavy team go down early means that it makes everyone else around him worse. It's not just a matter of, oh, you're missing this one specific spot or this one position. For instance, like if C.D. Lamb went down, that would be really terrible, but the Cowboys would still have Amari Cooper, and hypothetically in this scenario, if Gallup was healthy, he'd be healthy. I guess I should have just said Gallup. You look at Gallup's injury, you still got CD and Cooper. It doesn't affect the team in the same way. Oh, it doesn't. You, yeah. And do you, what do you think about the line situation, both offense and defense? Because to me, that really is like the linchpin of the Cowboys, and that's a big reason why we saw them falter so badly last year. Well, as far as our offense goes, if our offensive line is in question, then the whole offense is in que- is in question because without a convincing and solid, and I want to say rock solid offensive line, the running game is going to have us scratching our heads, and so is our passing game. So, 
And, you know, the fact that Lyle Collins was suspended for not exactly failing a drug test, but for apparently missing a drug test, I'm just like, come on, man. And there was a story saying that his lawyers are appealing it because of the NFL's rules would say if you miss a drug test, you're fine, not suspended. But I think by now, since we haven't heard anything, it really looks as though it's really leaning on it won't be a successful appeal. But either, even, if it's, well, it's sort of, even if it's successful, the NFL is just going to find a way to, to enforce it anyway. Because, you know, our, the commissioner really hates our team. Yeah, uh, the commissioner looks to stick it to Jerry every opportunity he gets. And it's funny because the Cowboys, you think like, oh, America's team. The most popular, lucrative franchise. And usually when teams are like that, like the Yankees in baseball... They get basically all the calls, but in this sport, not really so much. The Cowboys, you look at the 2014 playoffs and the Zeke Elliott fiasco a couple years ago where there were no charges and no evidence against Zeke and the commissioner chose to stick it to him anyway. The commissioner does not like the Cowboys. And that's not to say that that's why they're a losing team or why they've struggled, but it is a contributing factor and something to consider when we speak about suspension. The last thing I want to say as we wrap up about Terrell Basham, he actually started nine games last year, had actually five tackles for a loss, had 13 quarterback hits, three and a half sacks. So I, I think, you know, he's going to pick up where he left off. So that, that's why I guess that's why I, I, I really have a lot of faith in the dude. I mean, either way, I might as well do it because he's taken over, got to have faith in the next guy up, right? Oh, you can have faith. You can have as much faith as you want. I'll never knock you for having faith. Especially for an unproven guy, you know, but yeah. I w- you can have faith, but I'll be the other side of the coin. I'm not going to get my hopes up. I'm not putting uh, sand on the grave of the Cowboys just yet. I think it's going to take a couple more injuries before we get to that point. But, you know, it, to me, the thing that sticks out is we're in week two and this crap's already happening. And the injuries are bad. It's, it's not one of the corners who's afraid to hit going down. This is pretty much your best defensive lineman going down. And your second best, or maybe third best, depending on who you ask, but a Pro Bowl tier offensive tackle going down. Well, that's awful. So what's going to happen next week? Because the, the, the Dallas Cowboys are not going to stay like, oh, injury-free for the next 10 weeks. We got our two bad injuries out of the way, and we're going to be good from here on out. No, football is a grinding, brutal sport. And there are going to be more people that go down and get banged up, unfortunately. So it just really sucks to see so much damage right out the gate. Oh, boy. I mean, that's the problem. The injury bug has been plaguing this team for so long. But going to this game, let's talk about the keys to victory for the Dallas Cowboys. And key to victory number one is dominate ball possession. And by that, I mean, don't drive down the If you're going to drive down the field... Find the freaking end zone. Don't settle for three points, all right? Don't waste opportunities, for God's sake. For God's sake, stop with the fucking penalties. And that goes for the defense, too. So that, so I guess overall, priority, one of the top priorities winning the game, no stupid penalties. You know what? No. No penalties whatsoever. It's true. A couple points to build off of what you said. The unnecessary stupid penalties absolutely kill a borderline team like the Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys are a perennial, you know, 500-ish squad. This is a team that really, if they get to the second round of the playoffs, it's just 
you're dropping your pants. You're so happy. You're just overwhelmed with joy. And what's interesting to me is it's sort of funny that the expectations from the fans are so insanely high. And then what ends up happening is, oh, well, you're sitting there around week 15 saying it's going to be another one of these years. So it's, it's interesting to note that with these injuries coming right out the gate, suddenly you're in this brutal position where you're already falling behind. You're already 0-1. Washington has a win. You know, they're catching up. And you put yourself in this position where in the couple weeks, whenever more people go down, you're going to start seeing Dak getting smashed. Suddenly Dak, with all these big yards, everyone's acting like he's a god. That's not going to happen anymore, okay? When Dak is behind the best offensive line in the league and he has a ton of extra possessions because the Bucks are spitting the ball up, yeah, he'll put up those yards. What happens when the Cowboys lose the turnover battle? And to conclude my thoughts, I really think that Zeke Elliott has been defrauded and looks absolutely awful. This is one of the best examples of a playoff or a, a player getting a big contract and just quitting and starting to half-ass. This guy's been mailing it in since he inked that deal. Week one was another great example of this. You said dominate time of possession. You're exactly right. When the Cowboys were at their best, what were they doing? Ground and pounding like crazy. Controlling the possession. Being intelligent. And what happened? Uh, well, Zeke stopped trying, and all of a sudden you're asking Zach to, Zeke to be God-tier. Dak to be God-tier, rather. The, the problem also with Zeke is when he was he was relegated to a job to blocking, which, I mean, it's so hard to pinpoint what do I think about it because, you know, because the Cowboys had to switch to a heavy passing uh, play against the Bucks, And, you know, the problem is, and, and the reason why I say don't settle for field goals is because a missed field goal is what killed us in the first game. You know, Dak Prescott out there doing his best, and unfortunately, you know, we can't expect him to complete every pass. But, you know, when Greg Zernlein, you know, missed that field goal, you know, misses the extra point, it's just not cool. But it's also from that point, that part of the game, our defense got smoked by Antonio Brown. So, so that being said, with dominate possession of the ball, you know, do your best to keep our defense off the field. Like, kind of follow what we did in 2014 – Run the ball effectively. Stay on the. Keep the offense as long as possible to keep the defense away. True. Or even 2016, they used the same build order to great effect. What's vexing though is whenever Zeke, he does Zeke when he doesn't just go from a really good running back to average. He goes from complete, like basically the cornerstone of your offense, a really talented guy to this really disgusting thing that just sits on the sidelines with the septum ring and pouts. You know, he's not dealing with an injury. He's not dealing with personal issues. He just doesn't care. So it's hard for me to sit here and get all hyped about, oh, I wonder how Zeke is going to do, or I wonder what Zeke is going to do in terms of his effort, because it's like we're not even, we're not sitting here wondering, like, is Zeke's knee healthy, or can Zeke face this great defense? We're literally sitting here asking, can Zeke try? Can Zeke like get his shit together and put his whole effort forward? Imagine 
if we were podcasting back in the early 90s, we would never ever have to ask, I wonder if Emmett Smith is going to try this week. I wonder if Emmett is going to, you know, put forth his full effort. The idea is absurd. And I think that Zeke is actually disgracing the Cowboys silver and blue every time he shows up to a game unprepared, clearly not wanting to try. I think it's disgusting behavior. It is. And you remember how you mentioned earlier about not getting any hopes up? I mean, that's how I go with Zeke Elliott. Or I should say, I guess that's how I feel regarding Zeke Elliott. I'm not going to get my hopes up because, you know, what's the point? Because every time I did, he let me down. But and yeah. from I'm looking at the Chargers defense, even though it's only two weeks, I mean these uh, stats, you know, total stats don't mean really don't mean much yet. But there's there's really no uh, there's no trouble looking at them anyway. But you know, right now it has the Chargers defense allowing an average of 126 yards on the ground, with Dallas allowing an average of 52. So that puts Dallas as the third best rushing defense in the league. But keep in mind, this is only week two. So yeah, so there you go. There's there's another scenario right there, Wiley. Don't get your hopes up, right? Yeah, and I think there's a big difference between, oh, the team doesn't look very good, so don't get your hopes up, and this guy that we dumped the money truck on is just blatantly going to not try. Like, as a a fan, it's sort of the difference between, like, there's always next year, and why the hell am I even watching this? Because Zeke has turned in so many performances that not only is he uninspired, he's a non-factor. The guy looks like a complete fraud. That's why I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden, you know, Zeke gets pulled out, gets uh, checked out of the game, and then Mr. Tony Pollard comes in more. I mean, you know, at this point, I would say if Tony Pollard gets more snaps and gets more playing time, then uh, we can't argue the fact, well, you know what? Mike McCarthy has made the decision because if I know Mike McCarthy the way I, the way I do, and I know him pretty damn well, he's been in the league for a long time, is he's one of those dudes if you don't put the results he doesn't give a damn who you are how much you get paid he's gonna he's gonna sit your ass on the bench i mean that's mike mccarthy for you and that's fair enough but when you give one of these insanely userous just disaster contracts to a guy and he becomes a non-factor it makes it where you can't field effective parts of the team with the other parts in other words it fucks up your salary cap you're giving too much money to a deadweight guy and all of a sudden you're sitting there with your dick in your hand like oh crap now we can't get a decent defense now we can't supplement this line that's falling apart because you offloaded all the money in the world to a guy who was only good because of the line yeah so that's number one uh dominate the pitch and score points I, I'm pretty confident Dak Prescott, well, I'm really hoping he has a really good game, and I'm not talking about garbage time because I really don't want it to come to that, but I, I think Dak Prescott's going to be solid. You know, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, I mean, they're, they're certainly going to have to go out there and, you know, do their thing, but, you know, the, the problem is with Lyle Collins out, I mean, on the bright side, Zach Martin's back in, but with Lyle Collins out, it's, you know, that's already bad, and... And we talk about this all the time, uh, Tyron Smith, because we don't know, uh, you know, all of a sudden something could happen to him, and I really don't hope that that happens because Tyron Smith is a very good player. But as, as far as I know, I think this game is probably going to end up being a more heavy more heavy passing. But I would I would love to see some solid running, so like I said, to keep our defense off the field. But, uh, but that goes to number two. Our defense is going to have to miraculously – play fucking defense because I've obviously that's that's not the case nowadays we can't play defense oh bad pass rush worst secondary in football potentially 
And you know what? Keenan Allen is due for a big day. Yeah, so that way, if you're, if you're, if Keenan Allen's on your starting lineup, then consider yourself blessed. But anyway, so as far as this defense goes, I mean, it's unfortunate that, you know, everything you just said is right. I mean, we don't have, we have an unconvincing secondary. You know, our pass rush is still blank. Our defensive lineman is super questionable. You know, there's too many unanswered questions as far as that defense goes. So therefore, our defense is probably going to get punched right in the face. They're probably going to get bullied this entire game. So it's, and when it comes to that, then our, it's up to the offense to keep us in the game. I don't like our chances, Wiley. I really don't. Yeah, I'm going to have to favor the Chargers on this one for sure. Yeah, unfortunately, I think you're right. I think, it, I think the Chargers win. I'm going to have to go 38-34 to the Chargers. That's a good prediction. I got the Chargers 34, the boys 28. Expect Zeke to have less than 70 yards. Okay. So now we got that. Let's talk a little bit. Uh, do you want to talk about these uh, players? Do you think Amari Cooper or CeeDee Lamb is poised to have the bigger day? CeeDee. CeeDee looks great. I think he's really coming into his own. Well, in my case, he's he's in my starting lineup. So I mean, y'all saw me tweet against the Bucks after he had those drop passes. I'm like, I'm I'm out there on Twitter crying. See, the Lambs in my starting lineup, y'all. And then after that, he starts playing good. Then once again, I retweet. It says, okay, never mind. I'm good for now. <laughs> but but I have to seal the deal from here. It, it, it's really gonna come down to a game where, it's, in the case of the Cowboys, the Cowboys' offense is is gonna be. The beacon of enlightenment, if if that's if, if that's the best thing to say, or or the answer to the prayers, but uh, I I hate to, I hate to say, it, but I think the Cowboys are gonna go zero two. Yeah, well, you gotta call them like you see them if we sit here before every week and say Cowboys are gonna win thirty five seven. Keep it right here in four hours. We'll have a talk with Demarcus Lawrence one zero five three. The fan. <laughs> you really have a hate. You really have a hatred for them, don't you? You know, you can only listen to that crap for so long before you realize what they're doing. It, the people that literally do it every single day blow my mind. Because it's like, they say the same garbage all the time. And, frankly, they don't really have any sort of insight. And they're never going to truly criticize anyone properly. Because they don't want to lose the interviewing privileges. So, to me, it's just completely worthless. It is, and and I'm glad, you know, and when it comes to these kinds of things where we just make our preview and we get straight to the point and there's no need to beat a dead horse, you know, I'm glad that we were able to just make our points just like that because based on how the, the Cowboys are right now, it's easy to make our points because the facts are just right there, but I just but of course, 90, 98% of Cowboys Nation really doesn't see it. Well, I mean, these are the. I, I was watching like a NFL.com preview of this upcoming game from the Cowboys. And it's just so funny to me because the preview literally opens slurping Dak. And it's like, Dak, Cowboy fans really believe he was hurt last year. He looks like he's in prime form already. And it, it's almost as though people didn't watch the game. They didn't watch the opening drive where he threw at people's feet twice in a row and then they got a false start. Great coaching there. And the Cowboys are going to be doing a lot more of that. You brought up the kicking problems, which is funny. The Cowboys always trade for these big-name kickers. 
Mike Vanderjack comes to mind. And then no matter how much they pay them or how big their reputation is, they falter in Dallas. So it's, to me, I think it's kind of easy to game the to blame the kicker because of the point differential and the loss. But you know what? A lot of that just has to do with the offense choking. Like if they score a touchdown on that opening drive, like suddenly it's a six-point win. You know what I mean? Right. But in the in the final closing, I, w- I want to say if if Zerline has a misses a couple more kicks, I expect to be released, and I expect the Cowboys to give Dan Bailey a phone call and bring him back here where he belongs. Boy, Diamond Dan, just what we need. You know what they need to do is offer David Akers a contract. That old fossil would be better coming off out of retirement than Diamond Dan, I think. Well, well, I respect your opinion, and and really, I. You know, and, and some people will probably agree with you saying, well, age is merely just a number, so why not, but... Uh... Well, I'm, I am half-joking, and he is a <laughs> kicker, but, like, I mean, who do you think would be more consistent? One of the, I think, like, Diamond Dan Bailey is hard-washed. I think Greg Delight was always overrated. You look at a guy like Akers, killed the point record at one point. He held the longest kick at one point, and he was just consistently a top-tier guy for basically two decades. So, just sad he's out of the league. He's my favorite Philadelphia Eagle ever. Well, you know, we got to do what we got to do, and, you know, it is what it is. But, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, Cowboys Talk is available to you on all streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, you can also find me on YouTube. Riley, tell the folks where they can find you, brother. At Venomous Stare on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. That's where I'm putting out most of my stuff. Make sure to sub to the show and leave it a good rating. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you all next time when we recap this Sunday's game between the LA Chargers and the Dallas Cowboys. Easy. <laughs>